Okay, well, I think we can now finally start. Um, we're here for another riveting episode of Full, Full Disclosure. Disclosure. Sydney and Melbourne. It's full disclosure. The Jono and Dorge podcast. Jono and Dorge. Full disclosure in the raw. Raw, raw, raw. Jono and Dorge. Full disclosure. No holds barred. No holds barred. Okay, Jono, w- welcome to the show. Um, we've just gone through, for our, our listeners, we've just gone through a protracted setup sequence of approximately 45 minutes, uh, <laughs> standard, unfortunately. Um, but we're, we're, it is workflow and it is, you know, step by step, we're making improvements and hopefully you're, you're hearing those because... Uh, I think they're hearing it just in how pissed off you are at the beginning of every full disclosure now. Yeah, it's, our, it's become our warm-up just to kind of get you into a tease. Yes, um... Because well, what I'm worried about is, is it is bad how shit I am with technology and how it's so great how patient you are, but I think I I wear away at your energy before a podcast and then you because you're trying so hard to keep a lid on your like burning the the pressure cooker of rage inside you that you're you're saving your your good mate uh, from that now there's a bit of a you're kind of incubating it. You think I sound like a resigned loser basically? <laughs> kill myself? Or not something. not resigned loser, but you like. Well, maybe that's what they'll take, but I know, know you well enough to know that's just you doing everything you can not to scream. I wouldn't go that far, but look, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I, I'm probably not the most patient, well, I'm not the most patient no, person are. going around. It's, it, it was, well, the good news is it's a workflow thing and hopefully you're learning as I'm learning uh, what, your, what your issues are and you're learning. I'm what, not learning anything, mate. I'm not learning anything at all. I'm just well, you've got you fix you, the problems. For our listeners, just so our listeners are on top of things. <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan has now managed to put the <laughs> Skype application on his laptop because we found now that the source of much of our trouble was he didn't even have the Skype app on his laptop, so he was going through Microsoft and a whole bunch of other means. Got uh, locked out. Remember last week I got locked out and then I couldn't get into my Hotmail, so you had to I had to give them your email address and and yeah, that was you're very patient with that stuff. You could be you could be a ESL teacher or a driving teacher or something like that. You, you've got that amazing kind of. Um, logic where you don't you're just able to repeat things to a point you've seen you've seen me lose it especially when we're in india for example with tuk-tuk drivers <laughs> like, i get to a well, point that's the and thing. Then I... absolutely because yeah. you never let it out and so when you finally let it out it's it's terrifying for everyone except for you it's yeah it's really cathartic for me because it's all you're right it's all there it's all waiting to get out no so left, left, left right left left right <laughs> left it's that simple what's wrong with you left right left yeah, I really, really didn't you, so did um, you were telling me off air that you recently lost your temper? Did you lose? Because what's happening with your car? What's the car update, mate? Um, the car update is. Have you got got the Audi? <laughs> back? Sp- I'm supposed to get it back um, tomorrow, supposedly. Um, but, but hasn't he, he hasn't actually? He, what? he called me. He called me. I, I, I won't get it back tomorrow. It, it's Good Friday tomorrow, so I'm, I'm, I'm not an idiot. But oh, that he, was he, that was pr- pretty naughty of him saying, so "Give it back to you on Good Friday." He may as well have said, I'll give it back to you on uh, the first day of April. 
<laughs> you fool. George, Georgia just finds it hilarious now. She's like, well, you, every time she's like, I forgot you even had a car. It's been, it's been at the mechanics for six months. Yes, and does it, but he sent you, hasn't he sent you emails saying, um, this, I promise this time, or you can trust me this time or something? What did he on what, WhatsApp, you sent me that. Yeah, we're on, what, we're on numerous different communication <laughs> methods. None of them which seem to be making any progress really at all. The news, the news is he's going to replace, he has to replace the air conditioner because it's been sitting there and dried up so much the seals oh. have gone. So he's going to pay for that himself. He's going to get a compressor oh. put in himself. He called me yesterday. He's like, oh, I've got great news. I've managed to get a really a cheap compressor from down the road. And he's already told me he's paying for it. So I'm like, so? Why, why do I care? What, do I give a shit how expensive the compressor? Just get, put the fucking thing in. You know, that's what I'm thinking. But I'm like, oh, that's great. That's great news, mate. That's what, you know, that shows you the difference between what people are thinking and what they're actually saying all the time. And so, yeah, he's got putting the compressor in, he's putting the air conditioner in, um, and then he's, he's got to get the immobilizer codes. He, said, he, he, just tried, he started talking me through the immobilizer codes. And again, I'm like, well, that's, that's great, man. I, I really don't care about temporary immobilizer codes, but that's what he's going to get. And then supposedly we're good to go. But. What's an immobilizer code? So cars have immobilizers, and I think their computers have codes that you punch in when, you, when, it, when it's been flat for a long time. You need to reset the codes before the car actually yeah. starts. Otherwise, they just. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Full disclosure, guys, I don't actually, I don't drive, so I, I don't know. No, I John is, have you, you've got your driver's license, haven't you? I do, I do, I've had to, yeah, I've got it, but I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of, you know, a few things in life, and I don't want to kill people on the roads. And I've got a bad sense of direction. You have got a bad sense of direction. You, you've, yeah, you've, uh, you've famously got lost jogging in numerous locations all around the world. I like tuk-tuks. We I, should like, do a, I like a being top- in a tuk-tuk with Georgie yelling at the tuk-tuk driver. We should do the top five Jono Gets Lost tales. There's quite a few good ones. I thought the one in Central Park in New York is one of the, one of the best, but you've had uh, some real, real hummers. Some real I get lost hum- everywhere, yeah. yeah some real no. blowjobs. You've had some real blowjobs. <laughs> I've, to- I've had some real blowjobs. Do you reckon those, um, that new thing, the virtual reality, the VR stuff, you can get a blowjob? Yeah, you can get everything. You can do yeah. more, 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 apart from that, you can get everything. You can do everything. I think it's more you proactively doing things to... Other people, and that's where yeah. things that people are slightly concerned because you're going to get worlds now where you can get raped in in, in, in online worlds. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Those, well, um, you can get raped at your car mechanic. Yes, sure. <laughs> John and George, full disclosure in the raw. The dogs all just jumped around, but how many dogs have you got there? Four. So full disclosure, everyone. George is uh, he's homeless at the moment. What's that, that song, George? Homeless, 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 homeless. on a lately. Somebody say, hey guys, shush. I'm trying to do a podcast. It's, it's gone. The noise is gone. What type of dogs have you got there? Three golden retrievers and one small oh yappy little rat dog that I don't know what it is. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, George is is house sitting uh, or dog sitting for a few weeks because uh, he's out of the glebe house that we lived in together. And have you? Dropped in on Tony Parker. No, I haven't. No. Can, can you do that? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I, I keep thinking, stop, can you guys stop it? Jesus Christ. You know, I've had to pick up a lot of shit. This, you know, this is the, wor- the worst part. This, you know, four dogs worth of fecal matter is a lot of shit. And, I, and I've never had to pick up anything, anyone else's shit before. And it's been a real learning experience. These guys... No, shut up. Oh, they're making these guys noise. Put, these guys put turds <laughs> everywhere. They put turds everywhere. What? And Not in the house, though. Do they pursue no, in the house? I okay. tried to get a, I tried to get away from it, and then Doc, Doc, I went to poker on Monday, and some of the Doc had a really strong word with me about the fact that you have to pick up their shit because dude, you've got to pick up their shit. You've yeah, got to pick up their shit. Ford, I, used, I used to dog walk in New York. You've got to pick up their shit. 
Yeah, it's just what you do. That's the thing. Like, you've got to pick up your kid's shit, you know. That's why Tony Parker, that's why cats are good. Yeah. Though I've got to pick up my cat's shit because they're inside. Oh, well, that sucks. Well, you... shut up. Shut up. Sit, sit. <laughs> dogs, we'll be in trouble with the RSPCA if you yell at the dogs. <laughs> shut up. Uh, and what are their names? Do you know their names? Yet? Yeah, they've got names. Crosby. Oh, <laughs> they've got names. Crosby. Crosby, in... Stills and Nash? No, Crosby, Lily, Barnaby, and Indy. Barnaby. I know a Barnaby. You know a Barnaby man or a Barnaby dog? Barnaby man. He's a bit of a dog. He's a criminal barrister. Shout out to Barnaby. Nice. Um, so, George, George, I've got some uh, breaking news for yes. you. Uh, speaking of poker, uh, my cousin, Tim, uh, he, um, he sent me a text message saying that one of his kind of favorite people as far as like one of his trendsetters, a guy that he's mates with that likes good stuff, gave us five stars on, on iTunes. Right. Mm. And so like I'd, I was immediately suspicious that Tim was, you know, reaching out with something positive about anything I was doing and uh, a little bit guarded. And then he, I got a call from Tim yesterday mm. and he, f- he just ripped into the podcast. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, was, there was a lot of choice spits, but like he, he was, he said uh, that, that his partner, I, I won't mention her name, but she's a producer. And, uh, you know, I was very excited that she was listening to it. She said that, that we're not, uh, she's not our our target demo, and uh, and I said, "What do you think our target demo is?" And Tim said, "37 uh, year old male bimbos <laughs> is our target demo," and he said, "It really proves that we don't know anything about anything." The podcast, and then I asked him how much he's listened to, and he'd only listened. He said Matt Connors had listened to all three episodes that are up, and he gave us five stars, but said he'd never listen to another one again, and. That we should stop doing it. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I don't ever, but he also said he couldn't stop listening. But then Tim just said he only listened to the um, the sledging bit, which was a bit long. And he said that was just rubbish. And he couldn't. And I said, what about George's radio play? And he goes, I didn't get to that. And um, he said that we're stealing other people's identity. Like we're talking about other people on the lot. On, on, you know, I, I, he was, it was like, he, he actually said... He, he quoted Stormy, the Stormy Daniels interview yeah. and he said it would be a shame. Uh, I've got beautiful cats and it would be a shame if they grew up without a father. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sure you're going to hear a lot about it at poker. What does that even mean? Well, he's going to kill me, I think. <laughs> and then I said, will you come on the podcast and do a movie review? And he said, N- never. And uh, that we, we don't have enough money to pay him to come on. <laughs> probably true it's probably true well look I, I, uh, what do you think what's your spin is he does it mean he secretly likes it or does he actually hate it uh probably a bit of column a bit of column b i'd say yeah. Mm. yeah 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 i think he probably thinks it's a little bit um offensive that we think we can just jump on a mic and and people are going to listen but um <laughs> well we're just just we're just doing it you know we're totally. just doing it we're just podcasters totally. <laughs> i wouldn't go that far gentlemen george full disclosure no holds barred no holds barred um so let's move right straight into one of our segments uh i think it's it really leads quite nicely into um speaking of critiquing the the hottest story right now and without further ado we should head to in the news with jono burns jono what's in the news today It's 
Jono Burns with In The News. Oh, well, it's, it's quite a good follow-up to all the sledging stuff. It's obviously been everything that everyone's talking about in Australia is the ball tampering. Has to be. Uh, and look, I'm almost a bit sick of it, Dorge, but, but I do love a story in real time. So it was very exciting when it happened. You got the kind of updates on your phone and then Turnbull weighed in on it. And now we've, have, we, have we got a result yet? Have they, have they given them out there? Yes, they have. Yes, I'm on top of it completely. Oh, so the news oh, is... It's what, do, what do they get? 12-month suspension for Smith, and he will not be able to <sighs> go, for, go for a leadership role in terms of a captaining the side again for two years, so not till 2020. Um, but he can, he can play club cricket, but he can't play any international cricket whatsoever. Um, he can't even play state cricket, first-class cricket. You know, he play club cricket. Uh, David Warner is suspended for life from any leadership role in Australian cricket. Um, he's got a 12 months as well. Uh, just to recap, as I've said, it's 12 months for Steve Smith, 12 months for, for Warner, nine months for Bancroft. Warner cannot take a position, a leadership position with Australian cricket ever again. What about Bancroft? Bancroft, just the nine months. Warner's the real villain, isn't he, George? It's more just because Smith was captain. Yes, Warner was the instigator of, of, as I suggested in the last podcast, Warner was the instigator. We'll put it in, just say that it in. He came up with the idea. It was He even showed Bancroft how... To, it was actually sandpaper. Warner showed Bancroft how to use the sandpaper on the ball. It was completely his idea. And worse still, when the story broke, he tried to say that the Australian cricket team, all the fast bowlers and bowlers knew about it as well when they didn't. So he's completely loathed by the entire team now. Uh, and uh, it's unlikely, I think, he'll play for Australia at least for a couple of years, if ever again. So it's been huge ramifications. What's coming out about the captain, though? Did he know at all, or is it just because he's the captain? No, he, he, knew of, he knew of the plan, yeah. He, he, he didn't come up with it, but he okayed it to go ahead. And apparently floating around somewhere is actual audio of the meeting, so we might be able to share that with you guys in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, some audio. Warner had ball responsibilities yeah. for the Australian cricket team, so he used to be the guy who used to shine yep. the ball. So, look, he's obviously been doing this sort of thing for a long time. He used to shine it up real good, shine didn't he? Real he good. to shine it up he was, real good. He got good. in a lot of trouble for having extra bandaging on his hand for no apparent reason. He claimed he had hand problems, which he was using on the ball for the first two or three tests. The, the bombshell I have on Warner, or the news I have, is via my girlfriend's ex-partner who used to play cricket with him at, at club cricket level, and he said Warner mm-hmm. was the worst sport he'd ever played against in any sport. He said he used to say horrific things about... Your sister, your mum, thinks he'd do to you. What about my sister? <laughs> Whoever was batting. And what's and he talked about getting a gun and shooting them. He talked about having sex with them. He'd do anything he could to get an advantage, which makes everything that he was saying about not bringing family into cricket completely laughable. <laughs> he talked about having sex with their sister while firing guns. Like just firing guns, like just like like just doing it and just just shooting them off. In yes, the air. but jokes it's aside, kind of vivid imagination. It's, it's huge hypocrisy on his level to, to have a problem with what yes. was happening with the Sonny Bill stories and claiming that there's no place for that in cricket. The, the hypocrisy with David Warner goes very deep. He also famously accused other teams of ball tampering, saying it was out of the spirit of the game, that they'll get their just desserts. Mm. So there's, it's, that's unfortunate, isn't it? That was like a that's year on ago. It's on record. That's on record. Mm. So he's, and uh, yeah, so he's fucked himself. But he owns a $6 million house. Yes, he does. He uh, and a Ferrari is it a Ferrari or a, a yellow Ferrari? He came out and said so he's doing all right. He came out and said that his financial advisor said that if, if he ever had to work again, he hadn't done his job. So after cricket, that is, 
So uh, you know he's doing he's doing fine. All his sponsors will drop away. Two point four million dollars. Him and Smith will lose because they've both been dropped by their IPL sides now as well. Um, but look, it's I wouldn't say a drop in the ocean, but they're, they're definitely. I think they're only becoming aware now of the real repercussions because Smith, in particular, completely underestimated when he came out and sat in the press conference what it was about. But they also lied then. They said it was tape and they were picking up bits of dirt, but it was actually sandpaper. So. <laughs> It's so it's so weird though, isn't it? It's not like it. It's symbolic. It's like it's bad that they're representing Australia, and that. But it's quite a small crime, really, to try and 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 it was annoying how they said uh, it didn't even work. That didn't go well in Smith's apology when he said we didn't even do it properly because they didn't take the ball off us. I don't. I think it's there's more to it than that. In my opinion, basically, the Australian cricket side has been when you talk about Test match cricket and you talk about the way it should be played. They've been known to go at the opposition to do everything inside and at, bordering on outside the rules in order to win. What's it called? What's it called? Um, degradation? What do they do? Personal degradation or something? Yeah, they just try and chip away at you. Yeah, it's, it's bullying. It's, it's, it's 11 dudes on one, as we spoke about in another episode. And the, the point of the matter is it's become part and parcel of our, our national identity. And there's a, a certain amount of pride and... Um, it's almost emblematic, it seems, of what it means to be Australian, which somehow has been attached to cricket. And I'd like to think that this chapter will show once and for all that it's toxic. It's actually toxic masculinity, which has been encouraged and, and, and allowed to flourish to the extent that we're really seeing the ugly side, which is purely it's alpha male bullying and, and, and cheating uh, to get what, whatever it takes to win is the ethos. And whatever it takes to win is not how sport was originally meant to be played. It, originally, it's become professional now, but it was amateurs playing in, but that's in the, the right way. That's the problem. It's all the money. Like, there is a lot of pressure on them to win. So they're feeling that pressure. I see it as they uh, they see themselves as Jessup. You know, Jessup from A Few Good Men. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go down that one. You, you no, could, on, you're just being really serious. But, but, but there's no, there's, there, was no money, there was no money when they're playing club cricket when, when, when David Warner was telling these guys he's going to shoot their mums. Where was the money there? No, but he's, he's risen to the top. I just think people that are... But I'm, saying, I'm saying it's inherent. It's inherent from the very beginning. And the other thing we were talking about um, with a friend of mine the other day added a voiceover was the fact that he said, what sort of kids, what sort of parents take kids to cricket, devote their entire weekend to watching their kids run around. How thankful do you think those kids are of the fact their parents have done that for them mm-hmm. day in, weekend in, weekend out? What sort of entitlement do you think that breeds in someone whose parents have done that for them? And, and then I pointed at the analogy of an NBA scenario where you've got guys like Kevin Durant who'll thank their mothers, their single mothers, for working four or five jobs just so they could in some way have a chance, an opportunity to get to where, where they've gone. You can see, it's obviously the disparity is a lot to do with our relative wealth in, wealth in this country. But the what, fact that Warner you don't is have from, Warner's from humble beginnings. Matraville. Yeah, he went, it was, it's, not, it's not the worst place in the world. The, no. the, point, is, the point is, none of them, they didn't seem to have a single mum's working four or five jobs. They didn't grow up in, on welfare. You don't, you're not going to see that in Australian cricketers. And you're not going to see that in Australian sport because we're comparatively quite a wealthy country. And one wonders what sort of entitled little twerps we're breeding when it comes to the sporting ground. But also they've got like OCD and it's just, you've got to be so particular to be a test batsman. Like it really helps to, to be obsessive and all those. Like they, well, you're, yeah, not going to partic- you're not going to be particularly well-rounded. That's for no. sure. The, the chance of you being educated, unless, the chance of you being well-traveled. Unless you the, bat and bowl. 
Yeah, I mean, you could you're an all rounder. All rounder. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But look, it's a. Um, it's <laughs> you've got very I, serious. It's good. It's yeah, good. You're, well, this is a this is a very important thing to you. Well, it's not just to me. I think Australians should be looking at themselves a little bit and saying, well, what what sort of culture are we breeding here? What sort of people are we breeding? What sort of men are we breeding? Yeah, but they and, didn't. And, it's, they just they just tampered with a ball. Like it's not. I like it because it's a big story, but I just don't think it's not. It's not just the tampering. It's the fact that the, ever since Darren Lehman got brought in after the Mickey Arthur scenario, after the after Homework Gate, and Darren Lehman got got brought in in order to bring back that steely win at all costs Australian resolve that culture. Yes, but they're not being punished. But you can't punish them for all the other things. That's the thing. It's it's ball tampering that they're getting. I, I understand that the public opinions turned on them because it's been a a shocking kind of uh, turn of events with the Warner chest bump and all that sort of stuff. But then, you know, it's not, you can't blame them. You can't punish them for all those other things. I, I think it's, it's basically um, a, a direct result of playing on the edge. They're, they're playing on the edge all the time. And this time they've gone over, overstepped the mark, but it's going to happen Did without you a doubt if you play that way. Greg Baum wrote a good article about how the Australian journalists are sick of Warner talking about the line. He's all, he talks about the lines so much. They're like, what are you talking about? What line? And other people's lines are different. Yeah, he's, he's an annoying character, no doubt about it. It's just, I mean, Gilchrist is famous for walking, obviously. And I think there's certain... It, it, it comes down to leadership and a whole bunch of other things. And yeah, he was a legend. He, he, he was great. That's the thing. Yeah, we, we need more Gilchrist uh, in, in the team. Yeah, I'm just... Same in any sport, though, when... when uh, the, the refs really like someone that, you know, kind of doesn't argue every foul or every free kick. I, I just want to go further. Who was the last Australian sports person that anyone actually liked in this country? You know, who was the last person that actually, we went, oh, that's a good person. We, that, 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 I'm proud to have that person represent this nation. Oh, in cricket or in anything? Any sport. Well, Goodsy in, you know, uh, Australian rules. Yes. Um, I, think, I think there's quite a few footballers. Dustin Martin. I'm joking about Dustin Martin, but uh, yeah, Goodsy. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough to come up with, George. Good, that, good point, mate. Who would you want to have a beer with? Goodsy. Definitely. And do, Brett Kirk. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Warney. Okay. Yeah. For different uh, reasons, but yeah. Different. Okay. It'd be a great story. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard. But I think it's the professionalism. They're... They're earning big money. There's heaps of advertising involved, so it's become all about winning. Yeah, but other cultures have managed to produce better blokes. It seems like to me. Michael Jordan is the best best example of like a, a psychopath. A, a psychopath, true. Yeah, and Kobe Bryant. Like it's. I think it's like your Shaquille O'Neal's uh, that just are so physically gifted that they can still be a good person. Magic Johnson seems like a good guy, but um, well, someone like Andy Murray seems like a. No, Obviously, very boring, but nice guy. Crazy, he seems crazy. No, he seems like it, but he's 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 a nice guy. He seems he, like a nice guy. He's he's he he reminds me of you when you're screaming. Like he, like the the few times I've seen you lose your temper, he he does that on, on the semi reg on court. No, you're right. Off court, he seems like a nice guy. Federer, you know the the Andy Murray um, story where he he came from. He went to the school in Dublin where they got where they got uh, it was a massive massacre. Mm, that's right. What about Federer? <laughs> Federer, I'm not. I'm not sure about Federer. I love watching him play, but I'm. I'm not sure. Jeez. I think he, uh, he's, he's he's held up as a poster boy for how sports people can be. Yeah, I don't buy it. Nadal. He seems like a great guy. 
See, I'd, I'd have a beer with all those guys over any single person in Australian sport right now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just by trying a, to think. By a thousand percent. Adam Scott? Adam Scott. Like, he seems he, okay. He seems like he's come from a very affluent background. Um, he seems you, nice You don't enough. like anyone that grew up with any money. That's like a, that's a big thing for you. doesn't mean they're not good guys. I wouldn't say I don't like them. I just say that... I, I, it's a black you, mark if, against their name. Someone, prove it to me. Prove to me. You if never... there's someone in the same sport who's as equally a good person yet came from less privilege, then I'll definitely go for the less privileged person. Yeah. You like them more because of your humble... Um... Well, no, because they're the underdog. They didn't uh-huh. have thousands of dollars pumped into them from the age of five in order to become the best athlete they could be. Yeah. No, fair call. Fair call. I'm just trying to think anyone else. Yeah, who are the good guys? Because it used to be Merv Hughes. You'd love to hang out with Merv Hughes. Yeah, but then I met him and he was a dickhead. Absolutely <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> I met Booney and he was a dickhead. It was disappointing. Whereas I met Shane Warne and he was great. So, yeah, he's... Yeah, no. Uh, what, what, did, what did Hughes do to you? Oh, uh, we just approached him. I mean, admittedly, the guy I was with was English and was yelling out Suma and that didn't really uh, appeal to Merv. <laughs> But he just—he was more interested in talking to the chicks. We're at the hippie bar in Leederville, in, in Perth of all places. But I can tell you, Merv was definitely more interested in, in, in fraternising with the women, which is completely fine and natural. But for my friend, my friend was saying it was the highlight of his life, and, and Merv just gave him gave him absolute donuts. Disappointing. One of tw- two times I met him where he gave people that were really excited to meet him absolute donuts. So he didn't yeah. come across as a good bloke. In the fact, he, he came across as a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, I just the, the, one of the other arguments from Nolan Lesson or Tim Burns, who can be a bit of a hater, was that Australians. <laughs> Tim's, Tim's second mention for the podcast after Australians have been dicks explicitly not been, to. They've always been dicks since yeah. since uh, Newcomb, since Newcomb, pretty much since Newcomb, so pretty much since the rise of the Paul Hogan beer swilling dickhead. As as I can, let's all blame it on on Hogs and John Cornell, shall we? I think they're directly responsible for this crap that we're dealing with right now. Well, that's not entirely true because Brabham was a dick as well. Apparently, he was he was a he was Jordan esque. In fact, he's our best comp for Jordan. I'd yeah. say in numerous ways. Yeah, and there was yeah they, they, he was a terrible guy. Yeah, it's, psychopath. But they, they yeah. just rewrite this stuff. They you know you you look at the numbers over the what type of bloke they were, and we're all about being a good bloke on this podcast. We sure are. And, and, and going back to your original argument, you could say if you spend that many reps doing an activity over and over, what sort of brain will develop? And it seems to be a high likelihood you're going to have an obsessive compulsive psychopath at the end of the journey. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but yeah. I think it's accurate. If so maybe we're expecting more too much from them. We want them to do this highly difficult yes. task. Yeah, yeah and, and then on their off days, now they're getting millions of dollars. So they're in this, living this kind of playboy lifestyle. Yeah, and you can obviously outsource the majority of your life now, thankfully, with the aid of personal assistance. So, you know, you don't have to do very much, but just concentrate more on your sport. And this bubble grows and grows. You're surrounded by yes people, and there's no real sense of reality. And you spent the majority of your life doing essentially what Braddon did growing up, which is with one cricket stump hitting a, a, a golf ball against a wall for, for 20, 10 hours a day. I mean, mm-hmm. what sort of human being is going to come out at the end of that, doing that for the majority of your life? Probably a dickhead. You mm-hmm. know, do the math. Literally, I mean, Agassiz, Agassiz turned out to be a wonderful human being, as far as I'm concerned, and he, he he struggled with the monotony of hitting those goddamn balls all all your life. It's a bizarre thing to do. It is, but but it's you know there's big rewards, and we love watching it, George. We sure do. Where where you so could we're argue, part of the problem. Yeah, you could argue that we're complicit. Mm-hmm. No doubt. You want to talk about complicit? I mean, we could go into UFC and talk about complicit, but 
That's, that's, that's for another matter. But look, it's fascinating <laughs> what's happening with the ball tampering. I think it, what I like about it is the fact that it's turning, I feel like, the mirror back to Australian culture and saying, how do we want to be represented? Who do we want to represent us? And how do we want them to behave? And yeah. that's the big thing. And if this episode, I was going to call this episode anything, you'll probably hear why I'm harping on this so much later with the, uh, the radio play I've got for today. You know, I'd like to look at toxic masculinity oh. as a real subject matter. What a treat. I didn't dare uh, ask, but that's very exciting. It's, it's uh, part of our triptych now. Uh, we had we had the uh, hybrid, and then we had what was the se- name of the second one? The courtesans. The courtesans, which was about uh, a, a, a indecent proposal, and this one I can't wait. That's really exciting, George. Good on you, mate. You 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 are doing a lot of heavy lifting in this podcast. I'm really looking forward to coming well, to the table. Hopefully, listeners can't hear the heavy lifting, but I'm trying trying to make it keep it, keep it as light as possible. That was heavy <laughs> subject matter. So, let, on the, in the interest of keeping it light, let's move on to a really fun segment of ours. It's called Jono Burns with It's an Outrage! If you want to talk in a oh, movie, this is taking shit. too long. Oh, oh, come this is on. taking too long. Oh, no! Oh, oh, this is a Shoke. terrible manners. Terrible this manners. It's not funny. It's not bringing them bad just, just, anymore. Just... It's belligerent Burns with It's an Outrage. <laughs> okay, mate. Well, this is an easy one. I went to, to the pub to meet uh, a mate the other day. He said, come to the pub. Uh, we're getting together a bunch of writers. And uh, it was a pod, like uh, on, online uh, where they were going to meet up. There's all these screenwriters and stuff. And I obviously have a pretty light resume in that. I did go to NIDA to study playwriting. And I'm trying to write a school play. But I felt like a bit of an outsider. Um, I went to the pub in Collingwood uh, I, the Grace Darling, I will name and shame them. I turn up at the pub. He's there. I'm really happy to see him. He's a great guy. There's all these kind of nerdy writers there. There's a guy that I know pretty well. I, I've known him since since I was a kid, actually, who's doing quite well in movies now. And he's about to head off to LA. And he pretty much uh, barely turned around and said hi to me. And I was like, all right, that's that's good. You're high-flying now. You don't, you're don't you airbrushing people. That's good. Uh, and I went to the bar. I checked if, if Ed wanted a beer. He didn't want a beer. I went to the bar. And then waited at the bar for 20 minutes, George, 20 minutes to get a, an overpriced pint while watching these absolute fucking Muppets in Collingwood Fitzroy with tattoos, wearing ironic uh, 80s music T-shirts and parachute pants. Uh, just just had a good chinwag behind the bar and and completely fucking ignored me. Then when two other hipsters came up, they had a nice chat to these two hipsters and after they gave the hipsters uh, their beers, said, don't worry about paying. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm waiting to pay for my beer. Uh, he comes up to me, he goes, hey, buddy, what can I get you? I, now I'm furious. I, of course, I, my, I have a poisonous kind of uh, look on my face. I call him buddy back. I, um, I, I do a, a triple take when uh, my beer is $12 and um, furiously don't buy another beer for the rest of the night. But that's my, it's an outrage. And it happens quite a lot in uh, Collingwood, Fitzroy, uh, the city, these uh, vapid fuckwits that um, are getting paid money to ignore uh, customers that just want to buy a super expensive pale ale. Uh, and um, I'm fucking, I've had it. I'm, I'm off booze for two weeks now. I'm not, not having a drink out because it really boils my blood. Thank you, Jono. I have noticed that problem in Melbourne many times. I've pointed it out to you as well. You lived in Sydney for a while. It doesn't happen to the same extent. Would you agree? Or? It's fucking bullshit. They're getting, they're getting paid money. Like, how would the actual owner of the pub feel? They're just... You just you, they're, it's like they're on a stage not doing their job. They're on an elevated stage. It's like, it's like when someone holds a, a joint for too long and they think everyone's looking at them. Yeah, we're fucking looking at you because we're waiting for our fucking beer. 
it wouldn't happen in Sydney. In my experience, there's only one or two venues in Sydney, but a no, lot I've had of it venues happen in, in Sydney. I think it happens but, to me. I think they can sense. <laughs> I think they enjoy winding me up because I, I remember it happened at that at that place in Chippendale. It did happen, but there's an anti <laughs> there's an anti service thing in Melbourne. Like the cooler your venue is, the less you want to serve people. They have to work hard to get served. Yeah. It's a it's a thing in cafes there as well. You know it's true. Oh, fucking hell. So it's really... anti-service. It's bizarre. It seems to add to the coolness of your venue the less you're inclined to actually serve your customers. Mm-hmm. Well, they can, they can go fuck themselves. I think it's also partly to do the fact that Sydney has a tipping culture and Melbourne not so much. So there's more of an incentive in How Sydney. How does Sydney have a tipping culture? It's just because it's the, a more international city. So that's got stupid. More... They're already getting paid the same amount. Okay, mate. You, yeah, you made how you feel very clear. But the point <laughs> of the matter is a lot of people from internationally do come in and they have tipping cultures. So uh-huh. as a result, it breathes slowly in. Yeah, but like with a different kind of reason because in America, they're actually not getting paid. So you need to get tipped. Yeah, we do get more American tourists because generally they like the beach and pretty things and Melbourne just looks like a shithole really. Let's be honest with each other. It looks like someone shat all over it really and smeared it. With <laughs> well, Melbourne was planned and it's, it's not hilly like Sydney. So Melbourne, yeah, it has nice architecture and... Doesn't it does. Look like, yeah, it does, and and more Europeans go to Melbourne, I think, and enjoy that place generally more, except for the fun-loving Spanish and Italians who just love Bondi and the beach and the girls. The au pairs, the yeah, all the au pairs. Yes, yes, we all know about that. No holds barred. Uh, so, what, what are we going to do now? Should we do my movie review? Yeah, let's move right on. Let's move on. This is nice. I'm liking the speed on this one. Let's go on. I, and I did have the the joy of looking. <laughs> Doing some research on this film. Uh, hit us up with Soul Man. Soul Man. So it was, it was a piggybacking on from Gandhi last week. Uh, I'll just read you the, at the back of the DVD. So I bought this. Um, I got into trouble with Honey Babe. She saw, I've been hiding all the DVDs because I get them delivered regularly from JB Hi-Fi. But now I've also realized at um, op shops, you can get them for $3.25. So I've, I've got... Wait, wait, don't, don't read the back. Anyone can Google it and read the back. We want to hear what you think about the film. Your, your summation. What don't you want to just know the, the plot? No, but that's what your job is to do. Your job isn't to read the back of the DVD. Anyone can do that and Google that. That's not interesting. What I want okay. to hear is how you remember it and what you remember about it, yeah. not and your, your subjective opinion on it. No one gives a shit about what's written on the back of Soul Man. Okay, it was piggybacking back, on, the, on the back of um, our discussion about Brownface last week and Gandhi. Uh, I found out that there was a film called Soul Man, which uh, in the 80s is a comedy from the creator of... Uh, the writer is the creator of Ellen... And the Wonder Years, so you think it would be quite good, uh, but it's it's a steaming uh, turd. The, the premise isn't terrible. It's basically, and, and they get to it quite quickly. It's a privileged, so you'd hate this guy, a privileged uh, guy who's uh, doing an undergrad grad at uh, Cal University. And uh, in the first scene, you see him and his best mate uh, get into Harvard Law. Um, everything's going really well for him, but then the turning point, the early turning point is his dad tells him that he's not going to pay, so he's going to have to pay his own way. Back, It seems cheap for Harvard Law, but back then it was $50,000 for the full three-year course. Uh, and he's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. So he finds a loophole where they're giving a one placement to an African-American person. So he then takes um, o- o- overdoses on vitamin pills that make his skin go black intentionally and he gets into this school. So that's the kind of um, the premise where you could do some interesting things with that. It's obviously pretty tanning wrong. Pills. Tanning pills. Not tanning pills, sorry. Yep, thank you for fact-checking that. Uh, it's C. Thomas Howell in the lead. He's, um, he was most famous for E.T. and then The Outsiders. So he kind of became one of the... the rap, is it the Brat Pack? 
the Brat Pack, yeah. So they weren't they weren't the Sinatra people. It was the people afterwards, which was like Matt Dillon and uh, the Estefes brothers, one of them being Charlie Sheen. Uh, but this was his last chance at sitting at the big table. He's terrible in it. Uh, there's some good cameos from Ju- uh, Julia Lu- Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld. Um, James Earl Jones adds some gravitas as a professor. It's an absolute head-scratcher that he's in it as a Harvard professor. Uh, and the only other performance that I really liked in it was uh, the dad from ALF plays the psych- psychologist, and he has a very showy little bit there. Do you remember him, George? Definitely. Yeah, he was great, wasn't he? Alf, oh, Alf, Alf, no, not again, Alf. No, what, are, what are you talking Alf. about? Oh, I just like no. eating cats. He's always in the he's in the notes when he's talking, but he's always exasperated, <laughs> Alf. Yeah, he's always so he, he was like that as the shrink. Um, it's just he's a pleasure. He has the pleasure. So he he also tells him that you're not gonna. And so that's the start. And then it just it's really 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 bad. So it doesn't kind of um, open any of the the. Uh, doors that you could open it's just quite offensive and um, there's a lot of montages in this film uh, one with him playing basketball against a real black person to um, the song Soul Man which was um, from um, Dave from uh, oh, Sam, um, Sam, Sam from Sam and Dave um, is singing it with Lou Reed which is a pretty weird duet anyway and he plays basketball and the end of the montage Bought the ball, uh, he's, you know, bricking it terribly while um, another African-American, a real African-American guy's um, swishing every shot and the ball then uh, bounces up and hits him in the nads and that's, that's their out for that montage. Uh, he gets caught at the end, but then he also gets the girl and gets away scot-free. Um, yeah, really disappointing, George, because I thought it would have some kind of like, you know, it's so bad, it's good moments, but it was just a horribly... Okay, let me, hit, let me hit with some things on this, okay? Because yes. it's, not, it's not bad what you've done, but it could be better. <laughs> Firstly, A, it made $35 million at the box office. It was a huge hit at yep. the box office. Okay. Okay. It came in third. Is that a huge hit? That, that, for, for a $4.5 million budget, that's a huge reward. Oh, okay. okay. So it did, did, did very well. B, 14% still on Rotten Tomatoes, one of the lowest rating, <laughs> ratings, rating, ratings on Rotten Tomatoes of all time. So, yep. again, fascinating choice on your behalf. Thirdly, it debuted at number three behind Crocodile Dundee and The Colour of Money at the time on its opening weekend. So it did very well, as I said, and grossed quite a lot. But on top of that, what's fascinating about this film, and it's only after I realised you were doing it that I took some interest in it, is obviously the blackface thing was a huge talking point to the point where Spike Lee came after the film in a big way, slammed it, and saying, you cannot do this film. People in the film likened likened it to Tootsie, in the fact that it was a comedy, but it was trying to expose some of the problems or, or show the racism which comes with being black. Because apparently, we well, kind of got to it, but not really. In the end, he, he realises what he did is wrong because he's on full scholarship, but he's taken the full scholarship of the black girl that he's in love with who's working non-stop at a fast food store just to, to pay away. So he, he's, he's feeling very guilty about that. and he Because he up. falls in love with her. Yeah, she's not a kid. And she's on, yeah, she's on. She's got a kid, and she's on, and she's paying away, whereas he's not. And what he does is he he realizes that what he's doing is wrong, but he also says the reason it's wrong is he can change from being black whenever he wants, but other people who are black can't do that. So it's not a fair scenario. But it doesn't earn that because there's so many racist bits all the way through it up until and that's that point. The other thing, watching that's what it's trying. To, that's what they're trying to argue. But there's bits I saw where he's doing a Ray Charles type thing where he's moving from side to side. It's bad. Sunglass. It's it's very. Having their cake and eating it too. Uh, she's very, very good. Nice. She she um in the Ebert review, uh, the only people that got any any kind of kudos were her and uh, James Earl Jones. Her name's Ray Dawn Chong, 
and she yeah. um, she's quite good in Commando as well. She's a Canadian she's actress. Tommy Chong's, as in Cheech and Chong, I think. Is that uh, right? It's, it's his daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That's that's uh, that's good to know. I love that kind of uh, information. Uh, it's yeah, it's really it's guys. It's really 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 bad. It's very bad. And it's a bizarre choice on your behalf, yet again. But look what I will I mean, say yeah, about yeah, it. No, is... no, but that's the thing. We, I want to watch movies I haven't seen before, and sure. that's what having a DVD library lets you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, Why is it a bizarre argue, choice? You could argue some of these films have disappeared for a reason, because but, they were supposed to disappear. No, but I'm not... You know, but, but I thought it would be ironically good. I didn't think it would be good. No, I, I knew it wouldn't be good. But also, <laughs> um, you could, he's a terrible actor, C. Thomas Howe. You think he's bad? Yeah, yeah, he's really bad. Like he's doing it, like he's doing it. He's talking and doing the actions and stuff, but it's terrible. Wow, he he ended up marrying Ray Dawn Chong. Whoa! Well, I guess they felt so bad <laughs> about the film that they had to. Yeah, it was like a Latin Jewel thing. It was like us versus them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ray- gonna ride ride or die. Are they still together? No, they only lasted for a year, eighty nine and nine. But having said that, that's three years after the film. So they must have been sort of putting each other Some away chemistry. for three and a half, four years after that. But they did do a few other shows together. That makes a lot of sense. And she is in the Cheech and Chong movie, so that makes a lot of sense. I did a lot of deep diving into their, um, their, their movie histories. The guy that's worked the most, though, is the best friend. Yeah. Ari, Ari Gross. He was decent as the affluent... He, he was decent. The problem was, I, I watched some of the grabs, and uh, sure, the acting's bad, but I think the other major issues, they've obviously been... Oh, Leslie Nielsen's in it, by the way. I saw you missed yeah. him out. So, but yeah. He's the, barely in it. He's just, yeah. I think they edited him a bit out. The, what, the, the major issue is, the, I think the direction was horrendous. Uh, yeah. But, so, yeah, the performances are bad, but they were just taking so long, so much ham, that he could have cut away to make it bearable. Uh, oh, yeah, the ham. They, they, yeah, they're just terrible. It's just, the most, scenes just don't work. He's mostly a, uh, a horror director. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, Halloween. Um, although he did direct a little bit, a bit of the Wonder Years and Dawson's Creek. But I'd suggest if you look at that quality of work, that's probably the area Steve Miner should have stayed in. I'd, I'd say he's a minor player, if you will, and yeah. su- suited to minor medium. Uh, but so see Thomas Howe. So see, you can see how he had his opportunities and then slowly got more and more taken away. He's in lots of stuff. Yes. He's in the Spider-Man movie as the dad. Like, he's a good-looking guy. So what's up next? Are we, are we staying with blackface, or are we moving on to something else altogether? Well, do you do you want to do you do you want to talk about blackface at all? Uh, no, I've got nothing to say. Nothing to say about blackface. Yeah, nothing to say at all, really. So we're not, we can't talk about anything. Oh, you, that's, uh, <laughs> oh, full yeah. disclosure. Full disclosure is the name of the show, and it's quite a funny story. Yeah. Well, there was a party. It was a um, a party about. Jeez, oh, I can't move. There was a party about. Was it three years ago? <laughs> three years ago? I think it was four yeah. years ago. It was quite at a friend's. Yeah. Yeah, it's way longer ago, George. It was way longer ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Friends cocktail You've bar. You've changed opening. a lot, mate. You've changed a lot. It was a Studio Fifty Four party, and yep. I decided that I would go as an African American to the Studio Fifty Four party. Uh, I looked through the photos, <laughs> and there was a large African American. Com- yeah, that was uh, a that was a black com- party, wasn't it? Didn't community. Like- There's quite a lot of black people at Studio Fifty Four over yeah. the years. Yeah, that's why they got Mike Myers to star in the movie. Did they? Did they yeah. put him in the movie? He's, it's the 54 movie. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So you thought it was... Yeah. And I decided to represent, <laughs> because the fact that what matters is to be a very white party, I decided to represent as uh, an African-American. And I did... Uh, I did. Uh, I went the full... I, I did the full outfit. I got all, all this sort of uh, cool clothing and yeah. I did darken my skin tone. You went full uh, and blackface. I drop, and I did drop my voice down about an octave. Um, yeah. 
and there was an ex-girlfriend who was there. Oh, no, it's not... Yeah, this is, this is funny. This, this is the funny bit. This is the an really ex, funny bit. An ex-girlfriend who was there who didn't recognize me <laughs> in the outfit because uh, I, my, my, I managed to assimilate so much into the role. Assimilate might not be the right choice of words. And, uh, <laughs> and John, I find it hilarious because he was running around saying she, she doesn't know it's you. She doesn't know it's you. And I, I managed to avoid it and she'd never found out that it was me. No, um, no, that's not true. She did find out. That did was she? The, fu- the really funny bit because oh. they, they were lovely. They, we... Um, Georgie and I were going out with two Italian au pairs and um, she, she was a lovely person but you basically broke up with her because none of your friends could understand what she was saying like she she was so lovely and so smart but her accent was so strong that when she started talking to your friends or our friends they would just get this panicked look on their face because they couldn't understand anything and that's probably not the main reason you broke up with her but you broke up with her and she fell hard and she really you know she, that was, she really that was the main. The problem was I couldn't explain that to her because it's a terrible reason to break up with someone. <laughs> what did so you say? She, well, I just didn't really say very much. Dodgy, oh, why? Why are you breaking up with me? I felt terrible. She was lovely, really smart, we'll very beautiful. Role play. Why? But I love uh, you. It's just, I'm, I'm afraid it's just, just not working out. It's just a little too intense, too fast. But why? I'm, why? I'm, intense I'm, is good. It's I've strong. Got, I've got too much stuff to work work through. I'm, I'm I'm still struggling from past relationships. I'm not the man I, I thought I was. Georgie, please, please what? I love oh. you. Well, you know, I, I'm very fond of you as well, but I just think I need some time and space. Well, and you're, bad. Probably... you're bad. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad man. <laughs> okay, turning into your Japanese. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so I was really nervous because I was dating her friend, and I think by that time maybe I'd, we'd broken up too. But yes. I saw her at the bar and she recognized me and she's always, we always got on really well. And I was like, I, I was nervous because I didn't want, you know, you to, because she was, you know, would probably scream at you because she was very passionate. And then it was hilarious that you were there doing full blackface and she didn't recognize you. But then about uh, an hour or so into the night, she looked <laughs> and she went, Dorji? <laughs> and just the look of disgust on her face <laughs> when she saw her. I think it, it softened the blow. I think like that was, you know, kind of, that was fine. Because she wasn't a right wing Italian. Because unfortunately, the girl I was going out with her friend was a bit racist. So that's why I broke up with her. But yeah, because Bellasconi, obviously, is racist. And so if she was from the Bellasconi school, she would have found it hilarious. He famously um, said to Moroccan people in Italy that they've got nice tans. But um, yeah. 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 So there you go. That's your. But you've 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 realised now that that wasn't the right thing to do, haven't you? No, it wasn't right. And, and I wasn't doing. Out of, you know, so there was nothing. It was wrong culturally, and and showed a lack of uh, knowledge about. <laughs> how, the issue. how long did it take you to to, to work that out? Because I told you straight away, and you fought it See, hard. There's some issues I've had. Is I've played many different ethnicities. So yes. I've played African American. I've played Aboriginal. I've played South American. So I'm yes. used to. Because you are half Tibetan. I am half Tibetan, but I'm never going to play that because there's no roles yeah. for that. No, no, so, no, no, no. I've got no problem with that, but it's just so black. I've been quite yeah. fluid with my uh, idea of um, sexuality. No, <laughs> with my idea of, of what of what it is ra- racially to one represents. So I, you know, I took it as an acting exercise. As I said, I yeah. guess it was much closer to uh, uh, Laurence Olivier in Othello, and he tops a lot of crap for that now as well. And and that was a long time ago. So I should have been on top of it. But I wasn't doing it in any way. Totally. Um, I mean, that's to, the thing. Uh, that's, you, to, there I, wasn't anything laughable or jokey about it. I was no. actually because I was very fond of that era and that, that music. And technically, it was a real exercise for me to see if I could, you know, assimilate. And there wasn't, it wasn't, there was a. Assimilate uh, again. I mean, fool <laughs> people, trick people. 
trick people. Yeah. But there was there was a black guy that was trick, there drunk, at the party trick, and drunk, uh, drunk people at a bar. He famously said to my friend Brendan, who was working at the bar, "What's with that guy?" And he said, uh, "He said, oh, he's, he he said, where's he from?" And he said, "Oh, he's half Tibetan." And he goes, "Well, that's okay. That's what the guy said at the bar." So there was. <laughs> yeah. I've heard you say that to me because thankfully we had a two-year was... argument about whether or not it was all right. And... No, look, it wasn't all right, but it was. It was <laughs> at the time, as I said, it was. There was. No, it was very much an homage to Studio Fifty Four yes. and the multicultural nature of Studio Fifty Four. But yep. uh, a misstep, a, a big misstep, and one learns from these things. And thankfully, there's. Very little photograph. So, if you were going so, to a cricket party, would you go as a West Indian? No, no, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they're, they're quite they quite like cricket. They do. They yeah. do like well. They, they, they don't. They don't like it. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It's full disclosure. The Jono and George podcast. So, what am I doing now? Uh, you're going to open. Go into your um, hotmail and open the. Yep. Tim Winton file and have a listen. You beauty. Wow, it's very exciting. Growing up in Marks wasn't easy. It was just me and my mum. She was hooked on prescription drugs. She'd get them over the counter from a local chemist. I grew up surfing with a couple of mates. Miko, Rico, Dicko. They were fully sicko. We used to hit the waves pretty hard together. It was alright, I suppose. Thing was, I just couldn't figure out what it meant to be, you know, a good bloke. Around the community, there was lots of strange things going on. Everyone was just tugging each other off in some way. <laughs> there was this strange American girl who... Used to wait for me behind the alleyways. I never really knew what was going on. I just used to look up at the stars and think about stuff, you know? Like what it meant to be Australian. The wind, the ocean. Struggling against yourself and others and just trying to think about stuff, you know? Like, did I love her? Who is my dad? Do I even like surfing? thing about being Australian at that stage was everyone was white, so it was all right, you know? Like, the immigrants were okay, but they were just there to serve you stuff, you know? The real people were white. They were good surfers, good eaters, good fuckers. And that's, that's how I remember Australia. You know, like, there'd be a couple of disabled people, but they were all right as well. It's just growing up, you know? Down at Margs. Locals only. That's what we used to say. And then there'd be some cop who used to beat his wife and everyone could hear her screams down the street. But you always forgave each other in the end. Because that's what being Australian was about. Oh, there'd be dark family secrets that everyone was hiding. Don't get me wrong, skeletons in the closet, adopted kids, uncles who are really your nephew, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was tough. But me, Rico, Nico, and Sense. Oh, I don't even remember our fucking names. That's right, the names were Miko, Rico, and Dicko. You know, the thing about, like, punching out cones and getting waves is it seems like it's an okay thing to do at the time, but later on when you're older, you think, well, why don't I just hang around with the dog, you know? Could have been good for me. Man's best friend. Someone to walk out. 
someone to look at the trees and the beauty all around you and just take it in. The wind in your hair, smell of ocean on your nose. It was life was life was simpler back then. Australia was simple back then. And if you're reading this and thinking those were the good old days, you're wrong. They were just different. Things were just as messed up then as they are now. I just didn't even know it. Because I wasn't alive now because I was alive then, so I couldn't figure it out, you see. <laughs> Growing up in WA isn't easy. Getting a wave makes it a little easier, but really that's just getting time to yourself, away from the chicks and the beers and the cones and the pub fights and the taking the piss out of your mates until one of them cries and goes and throws himself off a bridge. Oh, it wasn't me that jumped off the bridge. It was, <laughs> it was Rico. That's another story. Bravo. Bravo, buddy. That's your best one yet. You reckon? Yeah. Why? Wow. That was sicko. Uh, it was funny. thought the sound was good. Nice. I thought the... Um, I'm worried that the um, the sound of the masturbating is going to be like a, um, you know, that's going to be used against us by Tim Burns probably. Like, you know, maybe that's a metaphor for our whole podcast is just <laughs> having a wank. That was, that was unrelenting. How, where'd, you get, where'd you get that um, sound bite from? Did you, <laughs> did you record yourself or was it a, is that a, it's all, what is it? It's all online, mate. All that stuff's online. Well, there's, a, there's a masturbating there's a surprising amount of people that jack off and record it online. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon it's a real jack off or they're doing it? Do, sounded um, like a... <laughs> sounded a bit like Hannibal Lecter when he goes... <laughs> I ate her liver. <laughs> did it sound a bit like that. There was... Yeah. Well, I think one was... There was one that said they'd What were, did you like about it, mate? What did you like about it? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, the, the, the idea for the whole thing came from when I had the audition for... Um, which I don't think I got now. For the audio book for oh, um, sorry, Breathe. Yeah. Or, or sorry, is it breath? I can always fuck it up. It's uh, Bex, her, Bex was listening to the podcast with me and she, she got pissed off that you said it the wrong way. That you corrected yourself. So it's whichever way you, it's, you think it is. It's breath. It's, the other uh, it's way. breath. I'm sure it's yeah, breath. It's breath. Yeah. yeah, I got the idea when I auditioned for breath. And you should have got that. You notice some of the ideas in the piece are pretty similar. There's an American woman in that too. Surfing, masculinity, all that kind of stuff. But mm. it's, I think it's a bit of a... Look, I've... Full disclosure, I've acted in one of the first plays Tim Winton ever wrote, which is based on Locking Leonard Hume on Torpedo when I was about 12 or 13. And the director doesn't remember you from it. <laughs> I, back in, back in Mozzie Park in Perth. So, and I met Tim. That's, is that the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Because she's so lovely. And I'm like, yeah. Do now she just pretends that she wrote. Yeah, she goes, oh, yeah, say hi to him. But you remember Sam Linden? So annoying. He wasn't in the play. I was, <laughs> I was the only one they cast from my school. Oh, no, actually, two, Bryn Hawken and I were the only two people they cast yeah. from my school. Yeah. And she doesn't remember me. Anyway, I, I met Anne Tim Browning. that time. Shout out to Anne Browning. Anne Browning. Shout out to Anne Browning. Great director, lovely person. Doesn't remember me. Uh, and uh, Tim, I've met numerous times. Not only through that, he signed that book for me, but I met him around Fremantle. Quite a lot. Grew up around Fremantle, around him. But you can see they've got some problems with why he's held up as a bit of a poster boy. It, to me, it's... Uh, it's a, it's a little bit. The problem I've got is like a lot of gr really great literature. Unfortunately, it's held up by a lot of I think quite bordering on alt right, nostalgic sort of um, Memsies esque, Howard esque uh, people in in Australia who want to remember it as some sort of uh, bygone era where things were a bit better, a bit simpler, and very Australian. And to me, it's um, 
not really rep- but, yeah, I know but that do you we- reckon he's like that no, personally? P- well a little bit Winston he has to write about what you know and I understand that that's what he grew up mm-hmm. in and I know for a fact firsthand that Perth was very white centric and still is to a large extent but I just feel like um, it'd be great he's a bit of a if he he's could- a bit of a hermit now isn't he, well, he even, kind of even in that play Lockie Land Human, Human Torpedo if we look at the cast I, I, it was me there was a South African kid there was a broad range of multi- multicultures in that production I just don't see any um, acknowledgement from him in his pieces it's just all so bloody so Nico, Rico, Bloody and Sicko at the beach catching waves and, 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 and booting up and, and, and having trouble being men, you know? It's just, it gives me the shits a little bit too much. I thought, I thought Dicko would be the one that jumped off the bridge. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the bridge stuff is, you know, it's, it's about, it goes back to David Warner, it goes back to this Australian topic. <laughs> it's just toxic masculinity. And, and Winton, yeah. to his credit, is exploring that more and more. He's recently came out and said out in the surf, he's not liking what he's seeing. In oh, yeah. the, the blokes like that. that he's seeing out there, and you know, so he he touches on it quite a bit. But to me, it's a bit old hat. Like I just think we can move forward. I just think it's revisionary. It's uh, and it, it's glorifying an era and a period. Even though he's, I don't think he's trying to do that because he tries to show the dark underbelly of what's going underneath the seams of that. But to me, it's just a bit urbane, suburban, mundane. Um, and I think we can do better. To be honest, he wrote his first play a couple of years ago, and it was apparently a turkey. The MTC put it on. But I wouldn't mind getting a, a copy of it just to have a look and see. see Because I like him as a novelist. And obviously, they've made good plays out of his books. Yeah, I like him as a person. and I, I, do, I did enjoy reading his stuff growing up as a kid. And, but it's just that Cloud Streety stuff. It's, it's all fine and well and good. You can see from my point of view, there's never going to be a role in any of this stuff for anyone for the, like me who's, who's not, except for being some sort of weirdo immigrant. You know? And I, I find that kind of annoying. Has Breath, have, has that come out yet as a film? Because I remember Sam it has. It's, it's been shot. It's been shot already. And um, Simon Baker... Um, he's already directed that, and look, it'll be fine. I think it's it's supposed to be quite good, but yeah, to me, there's again, it's not Simon Baker, of course, from E Street, and now The Mentalist. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of a little bit. It reminds me how Victorian period period stuff. Now, now they're coming out and saying, well, all this bit period dramas that you're seeing, it's not even representative of the way things work because even amongst them, there was more multicultural intermixing. It's not as white; it's just whitewashed the way it's mm. written and cast now. But if you go back as far as Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights, these were mixed-race people, left, right, and centre. And I saw a great film recently, Lady Macbeth, which had a guy... Admittedly, mixed races were generally in the lower classes, but she has this uh, torrid love affair with a a farmhand who was part African, and that's much closer to sort of what was going on. It's just that these um, the people that are writing this stuff and producing this stuff just want to whitewash it all the time. And uh, it it gives me the shits, to be honest with you. Um, but well, it, it, it made great art, so thank, well done on that. I appreciate I, it. I enjoyed it a lot. Look, and it was and also, it was a much shorter than the first two. It was much shorter. Yeah, I, I got out of there before I lost too much more steam. Because when it came down to it, again, I wasn't really telling that much of a story except for some masturbation and, and a little bit of teasing and hazing sort of stuff. But moving forward, it does go into my full disclosure. Very good, very good. My full disclosure, which yep. I think it's not, unfortunately, this one won't be as much of a, of a, a bombshell for you, Jono, but you might be able to want to ask some questions about it in more detail because yeah. it's something I've touched mm-hmm. on with you before. Mm-hmm. But on the subject of toxic masculinity and, and Australian identity, famously, I did, as you found out quite recently, well, let me go into it this way. I recently went to a NoFX concert with my girlfriend, Georgie, and I was in the, the front of the mosh pit as I, I used to be throughout much of my youth. And I had a problem when my knee started uh, uh, sort of playing up on me and I was having trouble putting weight on it. And I had to get out of there. And the reason my left knee is still problematic to me stems not from a sporting injury when I was 15, but from something else altogether. It was when I went on an outward bound trip, which I 
had pestered my parents to send me on for quite some time. I got the idea from an Outward Bound novel, which I got from my grandfather who run, ran a bookstore in New Zealand. And I was obsessed with this idea of going out into the great outdoors with a bivouac and a compass and finding your way and, and enjoying everything the, the great outdoors had to offer. My mother sent me on this trip and we had to lie about my age. I was supposed to be 15. I was actually 14 and a half. And then when we got on the trip, I realized quickly that everyone was about 15 and a half, 16. And more than that, they were all there. They were all white, yes, but they were also all from quite affluent backgrounds. And this is in Perth. And we started going down this track to a place called Walpole, which is way south of Perth, a few hours. And gradually it dawned on me, A, that they were older. B, they'd gone through puberty or were going through it. And I was yet to really hit, hit it but then see that they were all problem children. They were generally from very affluent backgrounds, and this might go back to what you've accused me of having a problem with over the past, Jono. They're from very affluent backgrounds. They went to places like Scotch, Christchurch, Wesley, the most expensive private schools in Perth, yet they've been sent on this trip not as a reward, but as a punishment because they'd been playing up at school. So I found myself confronted with very privileged, uh, naughty Boys, I'd say further, more like juvenile delinquents from rich families. And gradually over the course of the next four or five days on this trip, I was relentlessly bullied by them. I was um, held over a cliff by my ankles. I had water thrown over my face. I got tied to a tree. And then unfortunately, very early on, it became clear the bags were too big and heavy for me. And what made made the problem even worse was one of the older guys um, sort of play fighting with me. And then he quickly got aggressive and he sweat kicked my leg and it snapped some of the 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 snapped my knee quite badly it, it, we've never been able to diagnose what the issue was but unfortunately after that my leg would give out from underneath me every now and then i guess essentially got a a wobbly knee it's probably yeah, pro- we've uh, played basketball and that happens quite regularly yeah is that from that injury that's from that injury so it's a pcl i think sucks. um unfortunately technology then couldn't find out but i had to sit out from sport for about two years afterwards and I was, at that stage i was playing basketball football soccer and cricket week in, week out, and I had to sit them all out when I got back. Um, so, yeah, he's, something snapped in my knee there, and that's been the problem ever since. Basically, when I got back, um, what I will say also on this trip is... The, 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 yeah, the, who was the adult in charge? The, the, there was two adults in charge. Uh, I think the names were Chris and Tom from memory, and they were just absent most of the time. They were walking off on their own. And at one stage when my knee started snapping out, I remember a whole bunch of people laughing, and, and somebody said that was my kangaroo trap, one of the other students. And I think they laughed along. So they really couldn't care less, it seemed like, Jesus. about what was going on. It, the, I think things were really... You think of Lord of the Flies and all these sort of things. It's, you know, we're yeah. out in the great Australian wilderness. It's beautiful. But at the same point in time, I suppose, you know, you look at these great, you know, Wake and Fright and these great Australian dramas. There was something pretty ugly about what was revealed about a lot of people on that particular trip. I, I think the way they focused on me was a lot to do with the fact that A.O. was younger. So obviously, and I was smaller than everyone else. So there yeah. was a... And they might have known each other, some of them as well. well some before. of them did know each other. And they were talking about puberty a lot. And I ended up, as one does, befriending the, the other lowest status person in the group who was the, the nerd. I guess he was like the chubby sort of... Who's that fat kid in um uh, the Piggy. Goonies? The, ah, Chunk. Ch- Chunk. He, he was like, I befriended the, the guy called Chunk. And if I, at one stage in the tent, he started explaining to me what happens during pu- puberty because I was still learning about it. And a lot of the other guys overheard that and they used that as, as um, fodder. So to, did, to, did to Chunk do. turn on you as well or did he stay? No, I think he just stayed out of things because there was some... So he some, could have helped though. So there was some... Oh, I don't know. He was, much, he was again, not equivalent to in size to all the bigger guys. But That's fucked, isn't it? That's fucked. Yeah. Do you reckon was, Ch- was Chunk naughty though? Were you the only I think- non-naughty one? 
Because it sounds like fucking... It sounds like... Do you know what it sounds like? Con Air or something like that. It sounds like you're on a fucking... You know, you're like Johnny Depp in... Uh, Sorry to compare to Johnny Depp, mate. I know you hate hate that comparison, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you sound, sound like um, you know Twenty One Jump Street or something. Like you're thrown into the absolute wolves. Yeah, I I I, I was very unsuspecting. I suppose when you say it that way, yes. But I just it was very expensive at the time, so it never crossed my mind. For for us back in when I'm when I'm thirteen, fourteen, it's we're talking uh, early nineties. So it was about four hundred, five hundred bucks for this two or three days, which is quite expensive, especially for my parents who were lower socioeconomic. So it was quite a, they had to scramble quite a lot to, to, to fulfill shocking. this dream of mine. And yeah, uh, shocking. but for, for an affluent family, seeing their kid on what they think is a boot camp, it's probably a, a piss in the wind, you know, it's a droplet in the ocean. So it was nothing to them. It's getting the little fuckers out of the house. I, I, and I'd say so. Steal their cigarettes. You know, and that was thinking, you know, teaching them some discipline, I assume all that kind of stuff. Whereas when really I, they just got to practice their, Sociopathy. Yeah, and I, it's something I, well, I, I'm only understanding. The worst thing is these other two guys, though. We should we should track them down. <laughs> the, the, what's interesting? Make it good. I didn't realise there's you know there's a great um, tradition in private schools of your going out in the wilds. You know that that's um, what yeah. Duke of Edinburgh. What, what is it? Duke of Edinburgh. There's that yeah. thing, the great thing where you often go sent off. It's a rite of passage type thing, and, and no one really wants to do it. So I didn't have any of those connections because I just went to you know uh, uh, performing arts state schools and, and yeah. all my life. I didn't understand that. This is something that um, a private, well, wealthy children did. Private school wealthy children did, but also b a lot of them didn't look forward to it in the slightest. So anyway, I got out there, and when I came back, I was pretty traumatized, and I just didn't say anything to anyone. I just went into my room and I, I um, wrote everything down on a few pieces of paper and put it in my little desk. I used to live out in the games room and have a little half the games room was my my room, and I, I wrote everything down and put it in. I had this little room with you know atlases everywhere and um, and um, globes and and all sort of information sprayed all over the walls and planets and everything like that. And I, I came out of my little desk because I was quite studious and I wrote everything down and stuck it in my little drawer and uh, drew pictures as well. And my mother came in a few days later and she somehow must have well she's quite nosy my mother. She said she opened the drawer and she found it and she freaked. She absolutely lost yeah. her shit. She's like, "What the yeah. hell happened out there?" And I was like, "You know, I, I just said oh, I didn't really want to talk about it." Anyway, she wrote to Outward Bound back this is, this is pre-emails really she wrote to Outward Bound they, they apologised profusely said the supervisors were well out of control they, they'd been fired and then they offered by way of compensation uh, and a return trip to Outward Bound which of course I had no interest in taking out whatsoever but the most annoying thing about the whole experience I guess so social conditioning wise I guess A now as a result you can see I have a massive distrust towards uh, privileged children especially um, those that are alpha male in, in the, the, the way they behave because I, I, I've got pretty negative experiences with that sort of group. But then B, I also feel like it's pretty shitty that I'm still suffering knee issues now from that particular problem. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been scarring in, in mentally and physically that particular experience. And I suppose we all have these sort of, uh, a lot of us have these sort of experiences in our past, but I think it's good to talk about. And I also think, it, again, it goes back, there's a lot of things one can draw um, from it. a lot of a lot of conclusions one can draw from it in relation to our subject matter for today's podcast, which is Australian toxic masculinity. Mate, if yeah, well, once again, the full disclosure, you've you've thrown down the gauntlet. You're uh, you've just been you've come in hot with two in a row. My next one's gonna it's gonna have to be good. To yeah, I remember. Yeah, I knew you for probably eight years before you told me that. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's a it's a pretty form. It's a for, really formative thing to happen. Like it's just bullshit because it's. Yeah, there's a responsibility of. Do you think they they'd fired the outward bound people independently of the letter, or did are they, you know, they fired them after your mum wrote the letter? 
Oh, after after she was because I didn't really know anything okay. about it. There was nothing was said or done about it, and I, it, nothing would have happened unless my mother found the letter and the pictures of me uh, writing what had happened. Yeah, because I, I I thought I'd brought it upon myself a little bit, and some because I remember I thought I shouldn't have asked questions about puberty in the ten that time. That's why I got punished and, and tied to the tree. You know, like it was it was stuff you try and figure out why why what's happening is happening, and you feel like maybe I shouldn't have uh, returned the play fine to the guy, ended up kicking my knee. But, you know, it's, and when it comes down to it, it was, it was a massive um, status and, and height and age discrepancy, really, between me and the rest. Yeah, and, and that's why it's good to talk about it, because then you don't feel that shame. People mm. just go, no, they're just, a, like, just fuckwits. Mm. And, 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 and men and you know, young fuckwits together, they, at that age, they just, they kind of follow the leader. Yeah, that's right. And it's, you, know, you look at something like Lord of the Flies and other stuff and you kind of understand more of it. And I think that there's something about Australian, uh, the, the great outdoors and the, and the breadth and the, the wildness of Australia, which can, uh, when you've got people that are stuck out there for long periods of time, seems to bring out their less savoury features. Just, just ask Ivan Milat, for example. You know, there's a lot, long history of that sort of thing. But I, I'm not likening these guys to Ivan Milat. What I'm saying <laughs> is, I, the other thing I'd say is, uh, in terms of... Uh, Parents, if, you, if you've got a little kid who's looking to lie about his age and go on these, these trips, be aware that um, it seems to be to me that, that a lot of these guys from Scotch Christchurch and Wesley, etc., are being sent there as punishment by their parents who are probably not even there half the time and not even parenting them because they're off working as stockbrokers and bankers and in the mining industry and just can't be bothered discipl- disciplining their children. So they send them on these things and uh, you, you might be sending your, ki- your kid as a, a lamb to the slaughter if you're not aware of what's going on. Closest I've come to that is... I've organized a couple of bucks parties and we've gone paintballing and we felt like lambs to the slaughter because, you know, we are just these inner city people that, that go and just want to have a bit of a paintball fight. But the people that actually have memberships and like go regularly are just, you know, fucking libertarian militia, just absolute fuckwits. And they, they just love it when these new people come along because they've, they've got all the gear and they, they just were lighting us up. But that was, you know, in a, pretty controlled environment but you know that that's a form of bullying too not not to compare that to what you went through but that's the um it's the closest thing i can think of yeah dudes with guns is generally <laughs> dudes, with guns. dudes with guns the dudes that like shooting guns dudes that like dudes shooting guns like, yeah guys that yeah, are drawn to the idea of shooting guns at other dudes probably mm-hmm. aren't gonna they wouldn't be up there with my idea as, as the number one dudes i like to have a beer with um after right. after work um, so, so this has definitely been one of our least funny podcasts. That's right, everyone. I think it's good but, to have but, a bit of meat and potatoes with your, uh, with, yes. your with your sweets. Um, yes. Anything you'd like to wrap up about Australian masculinity, John? Any last words you'd like to say about it from your personal Australian experience? Australian masculinity. It's because it is uh, it is one where area we differ quite heavily. We have noticed quite often socially you're quite drawn sometimes to a loud <laughs> alpha Australian bloke who likes a good arm wrestle and has the handlebars moustache, and it's almost like oh, yeah. you, you find them fascinating and, and enjoyable. And I'm immediately turned off heavily, generally. By said person, because and you can see possibly why. Yeah, I won't tell it now, but I'll tell another time. I'll tell about my uh, time with a, with in Tasmania, uh, uh, with full disclosure about Australian masculinity. There's definitely a story that comes to mind. Yeah, so I've been I've flown too close to the fire with these kind of alpha males. Like I've I've had beers with Wayne Carey in New York, and yeah, he, I I do find them uh, these full alphas pretty fascinating, um, but. Yeah, no, but I, it's more that I like like a, a visiting the zoo. They're not my best friends or anything like that. Well, okay. Well, maybe we can open next week with uh, the Wayne and Carey episode and look at some of the full alphas that you've, uh, you've encountered over your life and what your experiences have been in relation to them. That would be quite a fascinating insight mm. from your personal experience. 
And maybe we've got to get a DVD then about alphas. I wonder what, I could, I've got 300 on DVD. I'm just looking at some of them in front of me now. I've got The Lion King. That's obviously about alphas. Chicken uh, What's the most alpha? <laughs> well, have, I think the obvious one is one we've touched on a couple of times. Speaking of great alphas through history, it's what yes. women want, I think, would be the <laughs> okay, obvious choice. Okay, I'll watch um, it. Yeah. In relation to what women want, I can tell you one little uh, anecdote. Is yep. I was there famously when the NIDA Parade Theatre was opened and Mel Gibson donated a million dollars towards the opening and came specifically for the opening ceremony and we all had to sing for him and, and shake his hand when he came into the theatre and they played an excerpt from a film and that excerpt they played was from What Women Want. <laughs> so I've always got this image of him with uh, doing a silly sort of this little hat thing that he sw- puts on his head and whistles a song and, and romances is Helen Hunt in What Women Want? I yes. feel like it's with Helen, Helen Hunt. Hunt. Have yes. you seen the full film? Have you watched the whole thing? I've only watched excerpts. <laughs> you said think, you're on you're on you, you're on this podcast no, saying think, it's a great film. I think film. I've seen most of it. I've seen it's most a great of film. it. I've seen most it's of it. It's a great film. That's you know what, what you said to me. I'll watch it. I'll watch it again. I'll watch it again with you. I'll we'll watch both it watch it. We'll okay, both watch cool. it and that'll, that'll be fun. Roar, roar, roar. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Next week's episode is called Alpha Males and What Women Want. And uh, I think it'll be great for the, our female listeners as well because today was very mm. ma- male heavy. So What Women Want will we'll tell you what alpha males think women want. And I'm sure you'll really enjoy that. Yes. Yes. Well, oh, I mean, that's the... Yeah. And you oh. are... You're an alpha. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> It's funny you say that. I, I, I just a lot know. of people say you are because, like, I was obsessed with Alpha this time two years ago, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, Dodge is an Alpha. He's just a so weird. He's just he's just tricking tricking everyone that he's not. That's his that's con- his Alpha move." Wow, I, don't, I just don't consider myself an Alpha at all. It's it's funny. I was um, with I just did a read for this new play that I'm doing in a month or two, and um, with Tom Campbell, a good friend who I've worked with numerous times. And I made the comment that they're looking forward to working everyone. There's not a single alpha in the room. And he just looked at me and goes, well, what about you? And I said, what? He goes, well, maybe not now, but you used to be. Well, you used to, you used to let people see it. And then you've worked out the greatest, the greatest skill of the alpha is tricking everyone that the alpha does not exist. It's great fodder for next week. I firmly disagree, but we're all entitled to our opinion. It's just that you're wrong. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know if you are, but a lot of people think you are. Well, yeah. I'll get a list of what being an alpha is. Like sure. There's a lot of good good things about it. Let's but, start. Yeah. With, let's start with Wayne. You weren't Carey. an alpha. You weren't an alpha for an outward bound. That's for sure. Let's start with Wayne Carey because there's no greater alpha than Superman, which is what uh, Bruce McAvaney used to call him. Um, and on uh, that note, you, I, I tell you what, I can, I can, yeah, I'm going to start going off on Bruce McAvaney. Don't worry about that. But the um, the football season started. Yes. Uh, and Essendon had a win. And do you know what I did, George? What? I bought membership. Wow. <laughs> I paid up. Oh my god. How much was that? They, they dragged me back in two hundred bucks for eight, eight, uh, eight tickets. That's great. Does that include yeah, the ticket can... price? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so great. It's like it's general admission because all the games are at um, at Etihad this year. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure: I am an MCC member, and so I was devastated to find out that I won't even get to watch my team uh, play. Uh, so yeah, so I'll just be able to well, basically I'll be able to. That wouldn't fill the MCG, I guess. I'll, That's I'll get to go to four games. Didn't you win first round? You won the first round, didn't you? Are you serious? We we beat we beat the Crows. Big upset. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. It was great. How'd you blokes go? You know how we went. We got beaten by 50 <laughs> points. We looked terrible. But I think we're going to win this week. I've tipped this. So you heard it here okay. first, folks. Who, yeah, who are you playing? The back in. Uh, I don't know, but we're going to win. You think we're going to win? Um, but yeah, so that's, that's our sports segment, I suppose. And um, it's the comedy festival next week. Uh, it's starting now as well. So great. it'll probably be... 
yeah, a bit of comedy festival stuff. Yeah, I mean, I saw two things this week. I saw NoFX play live, and then I saw Masterclass by Amanda Muggleton. So I'm getting out there, but nothing I really want to talk about, really. What you, was it all right, Muggleton, the Muggleton? I dare say I'm the only, Georgie and I are the only couple in Sydney that saw NoFX live and Amanda <laughs> and Muggleton Master- in Masterclass. <laughs> that double whammy. I don't think there's any, mm. I know for a fact. Actually, I'm happy to put my house on the fact that there was not a, well, I don't have a house, but I'm happy to put everything I own on the fact that no one else did if that double. If you'd fucked your mum, you could have got a house. <laughs> if you'd only fucked your mum. It's, it's still shocking people, that particular segment. I had my cousin ask me about it just last night. Which yeah, is, which well, people are going to be pretty nice to you after this one as well. You know, well, hopefully. I hope it redeems myself for the terrible misstep, which is the, um, the browning up for something, you know, something else. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. There'll be, there'll be the one responses. funny part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't turn off, if they don't turn off, then they'll... Well, I'm just looking forward to hearing about poker as well on, uh, and about Tony Parker. Obviously, you're going to check in on Tony Parker because that, that's, that's an ongoing thing where, you know, if he might just run away. We'll find out. I'm sure it'll be fine. So, John, I'll leave it to you to take it away and wrap <laughs> us up for another episode of Full Disclosure. Well, we learned a lot in this uh, podcast, everyone. We learned about Dorji doing blackface, but then we forgave him when we found out about his just horrible sounding outward bound trip where it turned into a mixture of con air and lord of the flies uh it um i knew about it but you know it's we're learning stuff about both people on this podcast next week we're going to uh, talk about alphas we're going to um we're going to dive in do a deep dive into that there's going to be my full disclosure which will have to involve an alpha and we'll probably have some reviews because the comedy festival's coming up and of course what women want the ultimate alpha film thanks so much for listening Uh, I hope uh, Tim Burns tunes in as well. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's Full Disclosure. The Jono and Dorge Podcast. Channel and Dorge, full disclosure in the raw, 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 raw. Channel and Dorge, full disclosure, no holds barred, no.